All right. Welcome to the very first edition of Let's, Let's get, get into, into It with your host, Mark Ice. Mark Ice Roberts. Mike That's Ice. right. Yeah, yeah. How'd I get that? Uh, we'll have to talk about that on a, on a later show. But we're also here with Rod, Rod. Tootie. Rinks. Rinks. Yeah. We're here with Justin Nichols, too, yeah. which is an amazing producer. I am here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, me, I'm a film producer. I've been one for 25 years, or I've been in film for about 25 years. And I just want people to know right off the bat, making films is a very entrepreneurial thing, right? Yeah. It's a business that you're trying to start from zero. Yeah. You have an idea, and that idea ter- needs to turn into something. You have to get money for that idea. And there's so much to do. Yep. And there's so many different levels to do it at. So I'm excited because we are going to discuss how to best do that for yourself. Maybe you get some inspiration from some stories about how I raised money. Yeah. Um, how I cast people, you know, how we were able to sell movies, get into Sundance, get into festivals. All of that is part of how you make independent film present independent film and sell it. As we get into more podcasts, we're going to have guests because I'm going to talk about people. I'm going to talk about Joseph Middleton, uh, legendary, yeah, (laughs) legendary casting director. We're going to have him on. We're going to talk about Antoine Fisher, right? And his writing and where he came from. We're going to have him on too. We're going to have him on. Uh, We're going to have lots of great inspirational guests, but let's talk about you, Tootie. Let's talk about your life and your passion Make movies and, and tell stories. And tell, all that tell everybody about yourself. About myself. God, that's the hardest thing to do. Well, let's see. I am a filmmaker, actor, writer, producer, director, filmmaker, at a much smaller scale than my buddy right here, Mark Roberts. And I'm at a much smaller scale than a lot of other producers. But that's so the great, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter. And, and uh, it's funny because we're talking about independent filmmaking. I'm making a movie starting next week. That I asked you to be in. And I declined because I'm not an actor. Uh, but I'm we making know this our movie. limitations. <laughs> I'm making this movie for ten grand, a feature film for ten grand. But I wrote it to be made for ten grand. That's fantastic, by the yeah. way. You work in the entertainment industry. Yes, that's right? very important. And you, you you have kids. You have a family. I have three kids. And during your downtime, you yeah. find a area to fulfill your passion, which is writing. And then you talk to people about potentially getting those uh, writings produced. Yeah. And now you're producing one for $10,000. So let's just say that in itself is a pretty successful. It is. And here's the deal too. I've tried to quit a hundred times. I really have. (laughs) Quit what? Quit, quit it. Just quit everything. Like I'm a makeup artist by trade. That's how I Mm -hmm. pay my bills. But I write and like I said, produce and act. I have a film coming out in um, summertime. That you acted in. What's I it acted. called? What's the name of it? It's called Mob Town. It's with... Um, directed by... Directed by Danny A. He's mm-hmm. a buddy of mine. He, he, he will have him on. Successful guy. Successful guy. Uh, Robert Davi, David Arquette, Jennifer Esposito, Jamie mm, Yeah, it's a good cast. It was basically... It was originally called Appalachian, which I liked a lot. It was about the 1957 meeting in Appalachian, New York, where the mafia congregated in this guy's house to discuss the mafia and the small town cop figured it all out, got the FBI involved up until that point. J Edgar Hoover would not acknowledge organized crime or the Italian mafia, American mafia. And some people think that they had stuff on him and that's why he kind of stayed clear. But at this point he, there was no denying it anymore. Great story. Great story. Great but story. it got purchased. And when things get purchased and who buys them gets Right. Owns them, so they changed the name to Mob Town. From nice. So what you're saying is you 
are a makeup artist by trade, which I know, and that you have wanted to quit making films and the whole business in general many times. Yeah. But your passion, your uh, your uh, desire has kept you in it. And somehow you've always come around to doing something here and there in terms of acting and, and, and writing and, yeah. and producing. So that's great. I want to thank Mario Lopez. Who okay. is a really great friend of yours, a good yep. friend of mine. Him and I have made movies together. Him and I have raised money for movies recently. How much have you raised? Give the number. We love it. I love it. Look, hearing. me personally, <laughs> I've raised north of $40 million. With Mario, I don't know, maybe five or six. Maybe, okay. maybe a li- with the new deals, we're probably going to be up over 10. But I want to thank him. You know, I want to thank uh, Justin and Tim Frazier for yeah. letting us do this because we really appreciate that. Um, and we're here in this beautiful place where they do their their uh, radio show. So yeah. how awesome is that, right? Professional studio, two dude. small filmmakers yeah. uh, working in such a cool place. So thank you guys for uh, for hosting. And, and how that. this came about, I have picked Mark Roberts' brain for what would you say now? Over a decade, we've been friends, right? I'll never forget the first time I went to your offices on Universal. I just moved here, and I said, "Hey, I want to be in the movies." And you're like, "Well, what does that mean? Like, you want to be an actor? Then you got to go get it." You know, I was like, "I don't know." Uh, so I've asked you endless amounts of questions, and I've gotten great answers. And I said I listen to a lot of podcasts because I have a big commute because I got three kids and I don't live anywhere around here because I can't afford to. So I got to live outside of town. But you're you have a lot of good knowledge that you could share with um, with people. Well, like I said, the exciting part for me is that we're going to talk about things that you can actually put your hands on. Right? You, yeah. We're going to talk about things that. You can do immediately with your stories, with talking to investors, with funding, with uh, using a lawyer to potentially help you make your deal. The important thing about making films is to realize that there will be other processes, not just making the movie. You're going to have to finish the movie. You're going to have to deliver the movie. You're going to have to get insurance for that movie. You're going to have to master the movie. I was talking to a director of a documentary I just did, and I said, we have to master the color. And she said, well, I like the color the way it is. I said, I understand that. But mastering the color has nothing to do with what you or I like. Mastering the color has to do with the measures of blacks and of all the colors in your movie that get broadcast on television or put into theaters. They have rules. Yeah. And you have to be within those parameters so that your picture doesn't get pushed back and then you have to spend a bunch of money trying to fix it. So when we go master, someone's going to have that tool that tells you the black's perfect, the blue's perfect, the green's perfect, and then you get it out there. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things as the weeks go on and you're going to be able to like grab stuff that you don't know yeah, and use it and maybe some of the stuff you do know, but it'll just be a different look at how we're doing it. Today, we're going to talk about some cool stuff. Uh, I do want to get into a little bit about the pitch, um, about how you can get your story into an executive, a producer, an investor. Very, very busy people are the people that are going to get your movie made. So how do you do that? Um, I'm going to give you a little secret that I've used my entire career that has really worked for me, and uh, and it'll work for you too. A little bit more history on me. I, I've made about, I don't know how, I, I think I'm almost up to 20 movies now. Damn. Yeah, all independently. I've never used a bank. I've never used uh, foreign distributors. A lot of producers and directors are really good at using foreign distributors or using banks, uh, leveraging other movies. I've just never done it that way. So 
there's going to be lots of questions about, hey, how do you use a bank though, you know, or how do you use a foreign distributor? I have the general concepts of how to do that. But yeah. I do think that sometimes it's quite nice to find investors that are willing to put up real dollars so that you can make your movie without having to pay banks and pay you know, different funds. And you don't have to have all these fees associated with your movie. And then all of your money goes into making a great film. Yeah. And you have a knack. Like you and I have talked in the past, you have a knack for looking somebody in the eye and knowing when they're being sincere and they're interested or if they're just talking out there. When I speak to people, I really do get to the, I cut to the chase. If you're someone that could potentially invest in a movie, I think I cut to the chase faster than most people. So if I'm talking to you and I know that you have a, a, a certain level of interest in investing in movies, I will say to you, hey, Tootie, I am doing a movie about blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm looking to do it soon. And I have this actor involved and I have this director involved. And I'm wondering if you'd be interested. I'm looking for, you know, financial backing for this. Would you be someone that I could count on to do something like this with? Yeah. What would you say? Well, being a filmmaker and loving, loving this whole world, I would say uh, if I had money, I would. <laughs> Right. So, but if you, but, so, if, so exactly. So yeah. I know you're not going to be my guy, right? But there are people that immediately spark to an idea, yeah. spark to spark to a, a story, um, and uh, and you know we'll talk a little bit about about that in the in the coming podcast. We'll do a whole one about financing and about how to raise money and about how to close yeah. your deal. Right. A lot of times you get someone to agree to fund your movie. In a conversation, yeah. but then you can't seem to get them to finish or cut you a check or, yeah. you know, get to the next step. How do you get to that next step? It is an uncomfortable step because people that have money, people that have made a good deal of money are very smart yeah. and they're not, they don't part with their money easily, especially when you talk about making independent movies, which for the most part are almost certain to fail. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a stat that there's no question about, right? There's 10,000 film made, films made a year. Um, they submit 3,900 of them to Sundance. Yeah. And Sundance picks 110. Yeah. And of that 110, I don't know, probably five or six of them. Yeah. Maybe 10 of them get sold. Yeah. And the rest of them continue to sort of go through the circuit and maybe end up on... On, on one of the streamers or yeah. something like that. So there's not a lot of success. You have to be yeah very careful. Can I can I pull us back a little bit for, on one thing that you told me yeah. a while back? I love the intro of Marco Antonio Roberts to the world when you were working at Macy's. Can you just let's let's let let's, let's, common common folk talk real quick? Can you tell that story? It is my favorite. Because you've raised $43 million plus, and you're the like producer. You, and you added $3 million to it. That was kind of cool. Well, you right. said north of north 40. North of 40. So it could be 49. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, my story's, I think, similar to a lot of uh, struggling uh, entrepreneurs, really. I, was, I had a casting company when I was 19. I worked on Three Amigos. Yeah. Um, I worked on Communion. I worked on It's a Living. A TV show. I worked on. Uh, I worked on First and Ten. Yeah, you remember First and Ten on HBO? It was uh, starring uh, the Juice, oh, OJ Simpson. Okay. Um, but anyway, I worked on those shows and I did extras for those shows. 
And then at 26, I sold my company and I wanted to become a producer, a producer I had worked with many, many times. His name is Ian Sander. Rest in peace. I loved him. He was uh, my inspiration. I wanted to be like him. So I sold my company and I began to have discussions with friends and family and whoever would listen about producing films. It was not an easy transition. So one December, November, when I was hanging out, I had nothing to do. My friend Mark Flores said, hey, I work in visuals at Macy's and um, and do you want a job for the holiday? I said, sure. So so I went to work at Macy's after, yeah. you know, working in and film And you're how old right now? You're... I don't know. I'm 26, okay. 27. Um, anyway, we were hanging out and he says to me in the elevator one day, he says, what do you want to be? What are you doing? Like, what's the plan? I said, I want to, I, I want to be a producer. I want to produce film. And he laughed. <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking, I'm going to go through this a lot. I'm going to yeah. go through people laughing at what I want to do because I'm nowhere near being what I uh, am claiming to be. Right. Because you have to be, a producer for people to believe in you to give you money. Yeah. They're not going to give you money if you're a want to be a producer, right? They want you to be a producer so that they can give you the money. Right. So it was really humiliating for a minute. And then I sort of picked myself up and I said, you know, I'm going to have to be really confident in the face of people. Maybe not believing in me and believing in what I want to do. And I need to let it roll right off my back. I get got to get right back to it. So I did. And a few years later, I um, I partnered up with Lorena David, another producer. She's also a director. And we developed a film called Plump Fiction, which was a comedy mm. based on Quentin Tarantino movies. We sold the script to Rhino Records and we made the movie. And it was the first thing we ever did. I must have been 30. Um, and from then on, I just kept raising and making movies. Yeah. So look for the, the important thing about the story is not my life, but the idea that my first movie that I, that I did, that I sold, that I made, it created further conversations with other people about making movies. So every time I finished a movie and screened it, there was always another investor in that audience that came up to me and said, Hey, yeah. Uh, what are you doing next? Yeah. And I got the opportunities usually from the movies that I was working on. It'll happen as you continue to work, as you continue to do work, you'll meet people that are interested in you because you're, because you're showing talent yeah. because you're showing the wherewithal to finish yeah. and because you're doing things that are hopefully very good yeah. and they, uh, and people appreciate it. Yeah. You gave me good advice last week because on my little $10,000 movie, people were telling, oh, you can't do it for that and you need this and all this technical stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, like I can't afford it, right? So I, I asked you and you said, dude, don't worry about that. You're a filmmaker. Go make a movie. If it's good and you sell it, you'll deal with that problem. You'll deal with those problems when they come. The money right. will be there. Right. But just don't – because a lot of times people get – you get roadblocks, like you said, and people say, oh, you need way more money. You can't. No, you need this and that. You really don't. Just go and do it. One of the biggest issues being a young filmmaker that's trying to do it for the first time and raise money for the first time is I think it's very difficult to raise money and pay yourself. Yeah. I think it feels fraudulent. 
Yeah. Like if I ask you for $20,000 and then I pay myself 5,000 of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard for young filmmakers to do that. I don't, I think it's, I think you have to get used to the idea that you can't work for free just because you're asking someone to fund your idea, right? They're funding your working. So you have to get something. You have to get something out of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, know, it's funny you say that because one of the guys who gave cut me a check and I wasn't even pitching him and I've been pitching him. He's a good friend of mine. He's a self-made dude. Ironically, he, when he was young, wanted to be a filmmaker. He wrote a script. It got some play. uh, And then he realized it just wasn't his thing. So he went into different businesses and entrepreneurial stuff. And now he's, you know, he's worth a good amount of money. And so we were in Vegas uh, one night, just him and I doing some stuff. And he asked me what I was up to. And I said, I think I'm going to try this Tarantino uh, or not Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez format, uh, like Mariachi, you know, El Mariachi made for seven grand, blah, blah, blah. And so I started telling him there's a whole formula, like, you you know, you minimal locations, minimum characters, right. simple stories, things you have access to, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of created this story. I'd been kind of like going back and forth in my head, and he started cracking up. And I was dealing with some health issues at the time, and I was in a lot of pain. So I was drinking tequila, like it was nice. water. Yeah, Casamayco tequila, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And then um, afterwards, he looks over and he goes, I'll tell you what, dude. When you get back to my house, I'm going to cut you a check for $10,000. And I was all, what? Because it was seven, right? And I had another guy who was going to put up five. Um, he told me, I'll give you five. You get the other five or whatever. He goes, I'm going to give you 10. Now you have 15 to make this movie. I want you to take five for yourself. Go to the doctor. And whatever's left, you wrote the thing, you're directing it, you're producing it, and you're leading it. So that's your feet. The rest goes in the movie. Right. So, I mean, I guess if he didn't tell me that, I probably would have put it all in because you're right. right. I would have been, the guilt would have been like, oh, well, there's. But, you know, I am paying people. That's the thing. I'm not, with 10 grand, I can pay. And it, like I said, my cast is small. I have minimal locations. It's it's character driven. Um, 100 bucks, 120 bucks a day, which is SAG low, ultra low budget. I mean, it's, not, it's a non union film, but. People, I'm giving them something so I don't feel the guilt of like, hey, do you think you could stick around for like 20 more minutes? No, yeah. you're getting paid to do well, what you love. Well, congratulations. That's not your first time raising money, right? It's my first time raising money, yeah. Okay, Everything great. else so I've always congratulations because that's how it's done, right? The yeah. next time we discuss this, you're going to say, oh, I was talking to someone and they're going to put up a million dollars. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I think that that is a successful story and that it, that's how it usually goes. When I started, I, my first thing was 50 grand. It was, I wanted to do a TV show. Nothing was going to stop me. Right. Yeah. I probably should not have done a half hour sketch comedy show, but that's what I did. And I found someone to support it and I did it and I never sold it. Yeah. But out of that, Came another investor who gave me, I think, 200, 220000 for my next thing, which I went to Mexico to shoot. Mm. And out of that came another guy for 400000 So you just kept climbing. Yeah. And then it's funny because every step of the way, I think, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to get ever get a million. Like, no way. Like, in my mind, you know. It, it, That's it how was, I think right it now. It's always unbelievable. And then a million. Nice. And then two million. And then four million. And then five million. But it's all in our head. Yeah. If you have a good project, if you know um, what you're going to do with it, you could uh, you could put the money together. Yeah. Um, but it's scary. I understand. It's frustrating. It's scary. 
But I would say don't let anything stand in your way. Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez and Carlos Gallardo have the best story. Um, I worked with Carlos on a movie. He was yeah. El Mariachi. He was a mariachi, right? He was El Mariachi. I actually yeah. I did two movies with, with Carlos. And uh, and I met Robert, and I remember saying, what made you guys think you could do a film for $7,000? And they said, we didn't know any better. We didn't realize that there was more people involved in the film because we look, we would watch TV to, to frame our shots. We would say like, Oh, look how they're framing that shot in that movie. And we would just see the actors yeah. and we would say, well, the, it's obvious there's a camera there yeah. and there's probably one dude holding the light. Literally that's all they thought that was necessary. <laughs> so they went forward yeah. and made it in that way. What they didn't realize is that they needed to do sound. Yeah. They never imagined that. So they recorded the sound separately and then had to put it together, which is what ended up making Robert such a great, editor because as the film went out of sync he would have to cut and then resync oh really i <laughs> yeah. didn't know that so people ended up commenting and saying what a great edited movie new way of editing oh, film wow yeah and yeah. all it was is that when it went out of sync he had to cut there was no choice yeah but nothing stood in their way they they said we have seven let's make it yeah. they ended up making an amazing movie and now you know, Robert's a legend and probably one of our finest filmmakers. Yeah. What's great though, too, is I remember I was telling you about this and you like smacked a reality in my face. Like always I said, dude, seven grand. The guy did a thing at 25 years ago, seven grand. That's really like, dude, that's like a lot of, and you're like, yeah, but it was a million dollars in marketing. Well, yeah, that's, that's why you true. know about it. That's true. They spent, <laughs> they spent a bunch of money marketing it. They spent a million dollars in post-production, fixing all of the sound and giving yeah. it sound effects and stuff. But but in the end, uh, but the it, foundation was there. The story was there. He did. Well, it. he made a. Re he had an eye yeah. for framing. For he had an eye for framing shots. He had an eye for action. Yeah. Um. I saw some of his home movies. They showed me some of his home movies where he just literally took like a super eight, uh, yeah. not a super eight, a uh, high eight. Yeah. And shot like a guy getting on a motorcycle and taking off. But the way it was edited was really powerful even though you know it wasn't yeah. shot on film it was just like he would take the guy and and all of a sudden you'd see like the ignition go and voom, 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 you know and, and yeah. it would be like these these super fast cuts yeah uh and then the and then the bike would be gone and you'd be like you felt like you saw something right, special right, right. you know yeah but it was all in the editing he's a masterful editor he also runs his own camera um and even when he got into doing big movies i remember a story from desperado um, you know, he was now working union. Yeah. He wasn't in the director's guild, but he was now working on this $40 million movie. And there was all these people and the unions and, you know, you're running into yeah. meal penalties. And so he went, so Robert went up to, I think Salma Hayek and said, Hey, uh, are you willing to keep shooting? And she was like, yeah. And then he asked a couple of other actors, do you want to keep shooting? Yeah. So he, he said, give me the steady cam. Oh, <laughs> He put it on. Yeah. And they said, you guys could all go to lunch. Uh, really? Yeah. And That's he kept dope. shooting. Yeah. He's with a filmmaker, nobody. dude. See? He kept shooting with nobody. Yeah. Those are great stories, but those are guys that have filmmaking in their DNA, yeah. right? That's someone who just was going to do it, whether he had a crew or not. Yeah. No meal penalty or no. union was going to stand in his way. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, because like I said, I was discouraged last week. I was like, oh, man. And then I think I think I was I call you or you were here and I told you and you said no what are you talking you go make them just go go do it 
Just don't talk about right. it. Don't, don't think let, about it. Don't let things stand in your way. You will find solutions in the face of yeah. obstacles. If you don't keep moving, you just get stopped. Yeah. You need the momentum to get over obstacles. You know, as they as they say, you need this, you need that. You just start collecting money and figuring out how to do it. And people yeah. that are involved with you will make it happen. I don't want to go this whole podcast without having a good takeaway. I want to talk about something that I used for most of my career, which I found extremely valuable and which happened by accident. I had developed a script that I loved. The name of the script was Rock Me Amadeus. I was, I was crazy passionate about this. I was certain beyond a shadow a of a doubt. It's a good story too. Yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this yeah. film was going to be huge. Yeah. And I had already made 10 movies. So I worked on it with a writer named Rick Livingston. He's also an actor. We finished it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to start pitching this myself. I'm not going to use an agent. I'm just, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. So the first few phone calls I made were in the middle of the day. Yeah. You know, I'd call whoever it is. Hi, how are you? It, it, it was an assistant. Yeah. The office of, okay. I, can I speak with whoever it was? And they'd say, oh, you know what? I don't have them right now. Let me put you on the call list. So, okay, okay. So you get on the call list and then I'm picking up my kid from school and the call comes in from this executive that I called about Rock Me Amadeus and I really can't take the call. So I decline it. Ooh. I get the message. I call back. They're not available. Anyway, a week, a week of this yeah. with zero, right? no communication, no pitch. In fact, one time I took the call when I shouldn't have yeah. and I was busy and I couldn't get my head straight and they were like, yeah, no pass. I don't, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't yeah. want to read it. So here was something that I did one night. I was super frustrated. I was putting Sophia, my little kid to bed. She was about three and I, I laid her into bed and it was around eight. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call everybody I can call right now. And I'm just going to lay the pitch on the machine. So I called 40 companies and I, I don't remember all their names. I definitely called, you know, Holly Barrio at DreamWorks. I called Mark Surian at Universal. I called, you know, um, Brad Pitt's company at uh, Plan B. I mean, I yeah. can name, I, I, they're so vivid in my head. It was like 40 companies that I called and the pitch was the same. I said, Hey, it's Mark Roberts. I, by the way, I would call and there'd be a machine. Yeah. So I decided I'm just going to leave a message. So I, I, they, the machine answered, the beep went off, and I said, it's Mark Roberts. I'm a producer. I have this story. It's called Rock Me Amadeus. It's a script. It's about the reincarnation of Amadeus Mozart. He gets reincarnated into a young high school kid that has zero talent. That is a very short, short pitch. I probably said a little bit more, but that, in, in essence, that's what it was. Mm. So they find this kid in New Jersey. And they say, you're the reincarnation of Rock Me Amadeus. He says, I've never played a piano or an instrument in my life. They're like, fine. They put him in front of a piano. And miraculously, he mm -hmm. starts to play classical music. Mm. The rest of it takes off from there. Yeah. That's what I said. The next day, I got 36 phone calls. Wow. <laughs> Maybe not the next day, but over the next couple of days. Yeah. I got 36 phone calls back, all yeah. asking to read the script. Now, what it's taught me was that you leave a message that has a strong story and someone's going to listen to your pitch uninterrupted 
Yeah. They're not going to say another phone's ringing. They're not going to say, hang on a second. They're not, you know, they're, yeah. they're not going to say they're not available. Yeah. Now, if a, an assistant listens to it and you've been concise, they're going to go to their boss and go like, hey, I got a call from Tootie. They're not going to say I got a call from, from Tootie. They're going to say, I got a call from this producer named Rod Rinks. Yeah. And the pitch was this. Kid in New Jersey ends up being the reincarnation of Rock Me Amadeus, has no talent, and then miraculously starts to play. Hmm. The executive goes, that sounds interesting. Yeah. We should read it. Get him on the phone. Right. So they call me back and they're like, can we read the script? Fine. So I send out, I feel very, first of all, I feel like this is a secret I found, right? Yeah. That if you call someone after hours, yeah. they're going to listen. So I sent the script to everyone and everyone passed. Oh, the it's pitch was better than the script. I'm sorry that I can't <laughs> give you a successful <laughs> finale, but where I do care about the movie still, it just didn't work yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons. And I had to come to the realization that probably it wasn't a great script. Yeah. Um, or was it timing? Sometimes, and is it the right, you know. Sometimes, well, sometimes it's timing. Sometimes you send out a great idea and a mediocre script and people go forward and say like, we'll fix it. Yeah. So it could have been timing. Yeah. But the important takeaway on that is that if you feel like you're not being heard because you're, you don't have the stature for someone to pay attention to you yeah. and you don't know the people, leave a message, get your pitch down to a minute, make sure that it's concise and understandable and leave it on a machine and let the rest take its course. If your story compels the person on the other line, they will call you back. If it doesn't, then you won't get a call back. And you know what's great about that? <clears throat> you don't have to be here in LA to do that. You could be in Wisconsin. Anywhere. Anywhere in the world. You can get those numbers now on the internet. You can get all the contacts and you could do it. And and hey, you might be mailing your script or emailing it and you never know. It's a, it's unbelievable. I mean, anything anything is possible. I think the, the only other thing that I did was as, as uh, gutsy was... I had optioned the rights to do Strangers with Candy, the TV series. To I, I optioned it from Comedy Central to turn it into a movie. Mm. Now, the series had been canceled two years prior to me doing this, so no one cared. I remember calling Comedy Central and them saying, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. I was like, I'd like to turn your series into a movie. And they were like, that series was canceled two years ago. Yeah. I was like, so then you don't mind if I turn it into a movie? They were like, go for it. Good luck. Yeah. So anyway, so I, you know, I contacted Paul Danello, who was my friend and Amy Sedaris, who she was his friend and, and, and Stephen Colbert. And they were all like, great, you know, we'd love to make a movie. We love that show. So, I, you know, they wrote the script and, you know, we, we had gone around to everyone and everyone had passed and we were sort of on, on, on the verge of not making it. And I was two weeks away from losing my option and really having no way of doing it. So my partner at the time says, why don't you call David Letterman's office? David Letterman loves Amy Sedaris. And I remember responding really negatively and saying, you know what? That is the stupidest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. How many films has uh, David Letterman financed? You know what? That's not to get off subject, but you saying those words doesn't come out because you're the most optimistic dude I've ever I met. I was in my really life. upset about the whole, like, uh, the whole idea that I went and licensed this and, and I wasn't going to make it. So right. I was already so really already frustrated. <laughs> So she says, call him. And I'm like, I'm not going to call David Letterman's office. I go, I don't know anyone there. It's such a long shot. <laughs> so we had it out for a couple of minutes and then she left the room and you called and I picked up the phone 
and I called and I'll never forget it because it was later in New York, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. It was later in New York. So I picked up the phone. I called and of course I got like, Hey, it's uh worldwide pants. <clears throat> We're not in right now. Leave us a message. So I left a message and I re- remember being really sort of sarcastic. I remember saying, hey, hey it's Mark Roberts. Uh, I have the rights to do Strangers with Candy. I have a script. Stephen Colbert is involved. Amy Sedaris, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker starring in it. Um, Matthew Broderick's going to be in it. Philip Seymour Hoffman's going to be in it. Great cast. Great cast. So I said, um, you know, if you guys are interested, give me a call back. Yeah. And I hung up. Yeah. And then I would, I'm, I'm going to guess that it was about an hour later. Kelly Kulchek that works at Will White Pants calls me and says, Hey, it's Kelly Kulchek. Got your message. We love Amy Sedaris <laughs> and we love strangers with candy. And could you send us the script? And I was like, right. Yeah. I, I was silently jumping up and down. I said, sure. What'd your partner say to you? when you told him? Uh, no, we were rolling our eyes at each other, but, um, but I, um, I sent them the script and she calls back the next day and says, I really liked it. I'm going to give it to Rob Burnett. Rob Burnett was one of the producers of late night. Um, so I said, okay. So she gives it to Rob Burnett. And then two days later, I get a call back saying, Rob Burnett really liked it. We're going to give it to Letterman for the weekend read. Now that is the kiss of death. Yeah. When you get it to finally get it to the final person. How many times have you heard that from a friend? Yeah. Everyone said yes. And then it went to the top. Yeah. And they didn't, it didn't happen. So David Letterman takes it, and I'm thinking, this is never going to happen. So on Monday morning, I get a call, and they say, David Letterman read it, and he said, it's stupid funny. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, we want to finance the movie. Bam! Is that crazy? So then we flew to New York almost immediately. I remember like almost the same day they told me I booked tickets to New York. I took uh, Joseph Middleton with me because he was going to cast it. And, uh, and we showed up in their offices and they're like, what are you guys doing here? I was like, we're making a movie. Right. And they were like, uh, yeah, sure. And I think one of their talk show hosts was just moving out of some of the offices and they're like, well, I guess you can have these offices. So, so yeah, it ended up being a very successful story in the face of some really, you know, low points. I mean, it was sort of over. Everyone had passed. We made the movie. It got accepted to the Sundance Film Festival. It did extremely well at, at Sundance. It was like people were flying in. There were lines around the corner in the snow. I mean, it was one of the f- most, it was the most fun I'd ever had Yeah. because I had never had that kind of success. And it was all, uh, it was all because I was open eventually to the idea of just making a phone call to a place that may, I thought was not the place to finance. And, yeah. you know, if I have to be honest, I think in a lot of cases, the place you don't think is going to do it ends up doing it. Or the person you don't think is going to respond the way you want them to respond is the person who finances your movie. Oh, that's a good takeaway. I like that takeaway. Is that something? That's something. That's good. So I'm going to hit you up after the show right here and be like, hey, listen, Robert, I got this film. I know you love it. <laughs> I think that, look, I'm, I love, you have to ask yourself, I think, as an independent filmmaker, what part of it do you love? I really do love making deals. I do. I love people. I love people that are willing to take chances. I love getting into it, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of a deal and trying to find, you know, find out people's tolerance for, for, for risk. Yeah. You know, and I like 
doing it and, and seeing what happens. It's yeah. a very exciting thing to do. Um, the filmmaking part is exciting to me, but really the deal, the deal is the main thing for me, especially when things like that happen. It just, yeah. it gives you an adrenaline, like the idea that you came down to the wire and you were going to lose your option and it ended up being the most successful thing I probably did yeah. in my whole career. Well, your new docs were, it's going to be. That's yeah. Doc, I mean, right. yeah. And if you want to know more about me, I suppose I could tell you, you know, I do have two docs that I'm doing this year. I just finished uh, Carlos Almaraz playing with fire, which has been in like five festivals. Now it's, uh, it started at Palm Springs. Um, and when, you know, now it's, it's going to end at the New Park film festival next month. Um, I have great partners that finance that. I, I want to get into that story at some point. I probably not yeah. today, Yeah. but the, you know, that for the financing of Carlos Almaraz playing with fire, which is a documentary was, that's another, good was story. a miracle. Yeah. You know, they're all sort of miracles unto themselves, but, uh, but I had great partners. You know, I met Tom Beers, yeah. who's the legendary producer of, uh, and creator of deadliest catch. He created Storage Wars. He created Ice Road Truckers. I mean, I can go on yeah. and on. The guy's a legend. <clears throat> and uh, I met him at a party we were throwing to raise money. And he was one of the first to say, I'll invest. Yeah. And then I got KCT interested because it's about an artist. And uh, and it's a beautiful movie, and I'm really proud of it. I also, I'm also doing a, um, a true crime special. I'm uh, about a guy named Johnny Porsche, Riverside Police Department. That was a dope. That was a good doc too. Yeah, you directed it actually. I did direct it, so I did. I did that this year. Uh, I'm recutting it, doing something, some other things to it. But that was um, that was an exciting film to do this year. And then I also sold that movie to DreamWorks yeah. as a live action movie, uh, along with Johnny. And we're still working on figuring that out. That's uh, that went into turnaround. So another company called Sierra Affinity picked it up. Yeah, to make and. Um, and Shia LaBeouf is in conversations about starring in it. And Janice, the director who directed him in Borg McEnroe, they're, they're looking to team up to, mm. to do the movie. So there's lots of stuff going on with that yeah. film. And, uh, and yeah, we'll talk about all kinds of stuff as it comes up. But definitely, I hope that some of these stories gives you the hope, the hope to go out and try, try things that you maybe are not comfortable with or look in areas where you think there's no cheese. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> right. The cheese. The cheese. Yeah. You gotta look for cheese. If there's no cheese there, there might, you know, there's no reason to not uh, take a look uh, in other places that you just are imagining there's no opportunity because there is, there's opportunity everywhere. It's just sort of, you got to look for it and you have to get used to being rejected. Yeah. I think I, I think I'm so immune to rejection that I don't even notice it anymore. That's time. I don't get feelings anymore. Yeah. No, you're, oh my God, you're totally feeling. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, no. Oh my That's goodness. You. <laughs> oh my goodness. If your feelings, you don't belong in the film industry. No, you can't have any feelings. No, no feelings. But no, I do feel immune to it. I feel like I pitch people and, I, I'll lose them. Yeah. And then, you know, it, I feel like sometimes I lose someone in a pitch and then they come back. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Can you thing. see it in their Oh, eyes? yeah. I can yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah. I can see me starting to pitch and I can see them start to think, oh, my God, I'm getting pitched. Yeah. And then they start to get into the story and their head comes back and yeah. a twinkle comes back. You're and then, very good at pitching. And then their were, life comes back. Yeah. You, you you gave me that pitch yesterday when you and I were arguing about, about something and you said, you got, you get, you do this thing where you get quiet and you like lick your lips and you look down and you go, okay, 
No, it's hang on, hang on. This right, is yeah, funny. You, you, That's very. This is really good. But you did I, it so well, so, and I knew what you were doing. I'm but you're just such you a. Brought this up, but since you did, let's talk about it. <laughs> Nichols, this guy was pitching me a, a a story, and I was like, he was like, "What do you think of it?" And I said, "It's okay. It's great. Beautiful. It's a great." No, I said it's okay. And he was like, "Why? Why do you think it's just okay?" I said, "Because it's about a guy." You know, who kind of is a vigilante and he goes and kills people because his cousin got killed. It doesn't, it, it's not, it's not a great pitch. So then I said, listen to this pitch. Like, what if you heard someone that walked into a room and sat you down and said this? A scientist finds a way to clone dinosaurs and then clones dinosaurs and puts them in a park. And then the chaos theory happens where things go very, very wrong and the dinosaurs get out and start attacking people. And then it takes off from there. Would you buy that? Yeah, I think it's called Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. I, we know that, that Nichols, but yeah. mine's much better. That is much- a heck of, I, I, I would have loved being a fly on the wall when that guy said to Spielberg, oh, I'm writing a book. Well, what's your book about? And then he tells him that and you go, there was no way that guy was leaving that room without a deal with Steven Spielberg to make Jurassic Park. And that's, you know, if you think about that, you can't be Jurassic Park. Not everyone can be Jurassic Park. There's not, there's no formula that, right. That was just a, that was a moment in time. That dude thought of something that was so powerful. So the idea is find a project that has a powerful story that impacts people. Yeah. If you don't have that, you will know. If you're not honest with yourself, that's when you start doing pitches and doing scripts that that aren't going to move the needle for you or for anyone else. Right. My scripts move the needle, player. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we'll get into lots of things on Let's Get Into It. We'll talk about independent film. We'll um, We'll talk about being an entrepreneur. You can specialize in different areas. You should decide what genre you want to be working in so that you can specialize and understand when you sell a certain kind of movie, how to come back and sell that same kind of movie. I made many, many mistakes and we're going to talk about them in the future. In the meantime, thank you. Thank you, Gildemont, for being here. That's your other nickname, Gildemont. Thank you very much for uh, hooking us up. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again. <laughs>